Hey everybody, welcome back to the That Sounds Toxic podcast. My name is Keely Stowicki. I'm Chris Davison. And we've been called to create conversations around dating and relationships in the pursuit of ending your addiction to toxic love. Today, we're gonna be talking about why relationships are inherently not equal. Chris, do you wanna kick us off on this topic? Yeah, I love this topic. And I love sharing and I just want to kind of dive in and definitely want to get some feedback. But the first thing I realized is it's never 50-50. First time I heard that, it didn't make sense to me mathematically. Um, so the relationship at any level with opposite sex, work, business, family, or friends. But let's focus on dating and marriage. At different times, each person's needs are different is what I believe. So you may have, for example, a work or family issue and you need support. Or later on in the evening, you may have a friend do something hurtful to you, and I may need support and a listening ear. So my adage is, I heard this years ago, and I really believe it. The adage is, it's never equal 50-50. Ideally, it's 100-100%. So for a couple, the reasons I think that someone being 100% in a relationship is key. So um, that's one of the first points I want to make. I really think, for me, that's kind of been the forefront of my, my mind. But I wanted to hear kind of your take and what you're thinking on relationships being inherently not equal. What do you think, Keely? Yeah. So I love, I don't know where this idea of 50, 50 came from. I think that comes from like this weird ideology of when you get married, 50% of the, like everything's like the assets are 50, 50. Um, but really when it comes to like energy and, and value put into the relationship, it has to be a hundred percent, a hundred, a hundred, especially with the commitment side of it. When I think of inherently not equal, um, this is a little bit of a rant that I've been on with several friends and it, it goes into the idea that men today have, and women even have been conditioned to think that a, they should split the bill, right? When it comes to like the early stages of dating. And the thing is, is my counselor told me way back when I started going to counseling, he said, he he told me that when he counsels men, he finds that when there's a divorce, say even a couple years, 10 years, 25 years, whatever that looks like, the men's lives, they're, they're, um, the, not so much the value, but the, um, level of their life, like decreases and women's lives get inherently better. And he said that men benefit from marriage and long-term relationships more than women do because women assume the caretaking role for a man and men actually live longer, statistically speaking, live longer when they're in a long-term relationship because women are helping them to help take care of them and also urging them to go to the doctor when they're sick, uh, take care of their teeth where men sometimes won't do that themselves if they're left to their own their own mind <laughs> i think you really touched on something there i think it is you know guys obviously live longer i think both women too but i've seen the research for guys it's true but you know sometimes it might be 80 20 it might be 20 80 you know mm -hmm. i can bring a lot of value in a certain way to relationship especially in a dating relationship Maybe somebody else isn't, you know, mm -hmm. maybe somebody else I'm further along, say in my spiritual walk than someone else, but they may be way further ahead in, in interpersonal relationships than I am. So I think that you can feed off each other. It's never 50, 50, but it's never going to be, a, you know, sometimes it's got to be a hundred percent in for somebody. But the second point. So I realized more and more is that when you're fully committed to what 
um, is best in the relationship for the other person for yourself. The other person's needs or well-being is always the forefront of your mind. And uh, when I say that, what you say and what you do, if you have their best interest at heart, which, you know, that's just how my mind works. But that's not every everybody's ideology. So second, when you're 100% committed to someone, you don't have an exit strategy. So if you're in a healthy relationship and you're 100% in, it's a lot easier to be 100% in than 98% in because then you're like, hey, don't work out. Maybe I'll get out. Or if this person isn't my ideal candidate, you know, you can always be looking. The grass is greener. So I really think that 100% commit is real important. And um, it's also be a set of relationship. It's healthy. It, it, it's very, it's different, you know, so an unhealthy relationship, um, you know, equality, maybe it's something a person can never give because they're unhealthy, either psychologically or just their family dynamics, their past relationships. They hold on to a lot of baggage and they can't give 100%. So especially cases of abuse, physical, verbal, emotional, spiritual, unfaithfulness relationships, you know, that's, that's different than what we're talking about being inherently unequal. And those are red flags and things you got to talk about on the front end. But I wanted your opinion kind of on that and what your thoughts are on that. Well, I think that... Men need to understand that even when it comes down to things being equal, biologically, things aren't equal. Um, if you look at what women have to give, or even in, in some mindset, sacrifice in order to have a family, in order to be in a relationship, um, you know, they have to give their body, they have to give their time, all their energy, and they're the ones raising children. And so when you look at the dynamics of a relationship, it's going to be women are going to give more in one sense. Like you said, like maybe it's 80, 20 women give like 80% of the care for the children and the man gives 20%. But that means that in maybe the income coming in, he gives 80%, she gives 20%. Maybe she's like my mom and my mom sold Tupperware to make a couple hundred bucks to feel like she, you know, to have some extra spending money. And my dad made most of the money up until the divorce happened. But it's, there's going, everything's going to be hundred, hundred, but sometimes you're going to be doing like cooking. Say she does 95% 95% of the cooking, you do 5% of the cooking, but that means her time is being spent there and you need to pick it up in another area. But where we see the problem is when guys are unhealthy or even a woman's unhealthy and they're not picking up their end. So then one partner ends up being the one doing 150% and one person's only doing 50%. Yeah. You know, uh, you bring up a good point. And I, I like, I'm just not that I'm contentious. I used to be super contentious and want to argue everything. So I really try to find the common ground and agree. One thing I would kind of disagree, this is just because of my faith background. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's really been polarized for me personally. So this won't speak to everybody, but somebody with a fake background will understand, I think, what I'm saying. You know, in Ephesians, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, I think it's around 20, 22, it says, you know, the woman should love her husband. And that the husband, which I really believe, I take this to heart, the husband should die for his wife like Christ died for the church. So in my mind, like in a relationship, I'm very serious, especially as I move forward and I want to, you know, get into a relationship at a deeper level with engagement or marriage. Like, I really believe I have to die to myself for this marriage or relationship to be successful. Now, obviously, it's polarized view of how I feel and from a spiritual aspect. Uh, my faith, but I really take that to heart. So I'm like, is this a person I want to die for? Is this a mm-hmm. person I want to lay down my life, my dream? I think that's really important. Um, so for me, that's just something that, hey, I know as a guy, I have to model what Christ did. He died on a cross. He suffered. 
so for me, that's really important as a guy, you know, but not everybody has that point of view, I know. But I think for me, and that just kind of piggybacks on what you say, women have a challenge. But from a biblical standpoint, I look at it as if they take the narrative, you know, literally, they got a little bit easier. Just got to love her husband where a guy has to die, you know, and that way she can live, so to speak. So that's just kind of my polarized view of it. But I want to get, you know. Ooh, that's really interesting. Character. And I definitely think a lot of people, a lot of men get into relationships that are comfortable, but they aren't they aren't willing to die for their partner. They don't have that mindset. And I think that if women, if if that was actually the dynamic and the beliefs in the relationship where a woman is willing to be, you know, all in on caring for a man and a man's willing to die for her then there would be a lot more long-term relationships that would last the distance instead of this, oh, I have options, right? This, I have options. I don't need to be 100% in. I can just go on a dating app tomorrow and find someone even better. Um, it's really, it really becomes an interesting thing because, you know, I even teach women in the early stages of dating to believe in abundance until you actually choose someone to believe there is an abundance of choices. But that changes when you actually decide to have commit with someone. And that means you have to be 100% in then. And all other options are out. Like there's no other options. So yeah, I, I that's a really good mindset to have. And um, one last thing I want to touch on with this is when I was at um, the event in, in, in Florida where we met, one of the guys opened up to me and he said that he had been going through a time with his relationship where his his um, long-term girlfriend, they'd been together 10 years, her brother had died mm-hmm. and she went into like a depression over this. And so he'd been picking up all the pieces and really, um, really pulling the weight of the relationship. And now he wanted to go to the next level in his business. And he was scared to ask her to, to step up a little bit and take a, on some of the weight he'd been carrying. Um, because he felt so, so bad. So I think like you said in the beginning, relationships are hundred hundred, but sometimes there's going to be seasons where one partner has to do a little bit more than the other. Um, and then it's going to kind of like change as life changes. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big thing is communication, you know, like even that example you give, like he needs to communicate his needs if he wants to be met. And, and then obviously maybe she can or he can't communicate their needs but i think the communication part is real important and uh just some questions i did some research and uh i always hate to use the word experts because you know experts are questionable but some questions i found from different people who are experts um to ask for a relationship to see if it's you know inherently not equal um do you respect each other's differences mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the things you're just going to have differences nobody's going to be alike if everybody was like, it'd be super boring is what I'd always say. It's like, you know, it wouldn't be variety, just people. So do you respect each other's differences? And I think, how do you even get to a point where you respect the differences in somebody? I mean, you got that honeymoon phase, your first dating, mm-hmm. and you get to the point where, hey, maybe a little annoying now. Some of your quirks I loved, but I'm not excited about them. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about how do you respect other person's differences and, and do that in a healthy way? I think it's a matter of knowing I call them non-negotiables because yes, everyone has differences, but there's going to be things that should be non-negotiables for you um, where some things can be super endearing. And then other things are like, okay, I cannot tolerate this. And early in the early stages of relationship, you should be able to be like, okay, this guy has a really annoying habit with eating. 
And I, I know this is going to be something that's going to tear the relationship apart later. Um, so it's a matter of like knowing your, your own limits on tolerance. And then in the early stages being like, no, this isn't for me. Because if you decide to move forward, that thing that was annoying in the beginning might be the thing that breaks you up later. But also being able to have, be aware of why it's annoying to you. Because sometimes things that are annoying to us are something that we lack ourselves or something we find annoying about ourselves because that person is mirroring it back to us. And so that's also something to be aware of. And in that awareness, you can decide if it's something you need to change about yourself and the way you're viewing it. Because for example, um, way back in my teenage years, there was a TV show called Clueless. I don't know if you remember Clueless, Chris, but (laughs) it's with a... I'm pretty sure it's clueless. And she was dating this guy, Harvey. I, I hope I have the name of the show right. And in one episode, the only episode I remember from the entire thing is it might even be Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Anyway, from my childhood, there was this TV show. And in this episode, um, she a situation happened and her boyfriend responded in a very nice way, but she was unhappy with his response. And so the whole episode is all about uh demonstrating like it's like they go back into different universes in which he responded differently. When one universe, he responded with tears. The other one, he responded with anger and jealousy. And the other one, he responded like a guy eating potato chips on the couch. Like, I don't care. And she wasn't happy with any of those responses. And she realized that his the appropriate response he'd given, the first one was actually the one that was the best. She just didn't have a good mindset about it because she wanted more like fireworks and drama. Uh, so yeah, it's just about our perception of the reality we're experiencing. Yeah, I think uh, there's a really good book called Receiving Love by two counselors. I can't think of their name, but uh, I can get that. We can put it in the comments. But Receiving Love, and I think part of it is how we receive love or we were used to receiving love. You know, and sometimes people like that argument dynamic. That's just how their house was mm-hmm. contentious. So you're thinking you're being kind of loving, but you're like, you're not communicating with me the way would be, which kind of leads me into my next question is, do you listen to each other? And I think I'm real big about listening. You know, I used to not be, and I realized I didn't get anywhere. So I'm trying to be an active listener and trying to be an empath and listen to what's being said. And could I understand it? And uh, so how do you think, you know, listening to each other kind of, and, and what, how can that dynamic even work to, to be inherently not equal? But what is that, how does that play into it, listening to somebody? Well, if you look at communication styles, <laughs> men have this very direct communication where it's like, what time do you want to meet up? How about six o'clock? Okay, cool. Like that's the conversation where with women, it's like, Hey, what time do you want to make up, meet up? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. Like this morning I wasn't feeling so good. And then I went to the store and I bought this dress and I can't wear this dress. So, you know, maybe we should go to this place. And, but then if we go to that place, we need to meet up a little bit earlier, but what do you think? And then the other girl's like, no, no, what? This is like half an hour conversation about what time we want to meet up. And that's how women communicate. So when you when you look at the relationship, relationship dynamic, the guy has to be able to meet her in her communication style or be tolerant of it and be able to lean into that style of communication a little bit more uh, and be able to listen. Because I think a lot of guys, some guys will like check out and be like, well thank you for getting to the point. Finally, you know, (laughs) they just check out and don't listen. And so it's just a matter of understanding the guy wants more direct answer and women are going to try to explain their whole life in in answering your question. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, something I've learned in business and it really has served me well in relationships is uh, I ask people, how do you like to be communicated with? Is it mm -hmm. text, is it Snapchat, which I don't even do? Is it a phone call? Is it, you know, Facebook? I don't know. I mean, every Instagram, I mean, people like to be communicated with differently. And a lot of people are like, hey, I don't like text, you know, just depending on the generation. So people say, hey, I want a phone call. I go, well, mm -hmm. if it's just a simple yes or no question, you know, text is awesome. But I'm a phone call kind of guy. I want to talk. If I can't physically be face-to-face, -face, I want the next best thing, which is a phone call or a Zoom or you know, Facebook Messenger. So, yeah, I think it's really important to front ask people. I think it doesn't hurt to say, how do you have to be communicated with? And Ooh, then like some that. people are some people want to be text all the time. I'm like, to me, I don't like it. But if that's what's best for you, I want to meet your needs, not how I want to do it, you know? Oh, this is a good point. So I have a client who has been complaining about this a lot with her boyfriend and he is going to school for his like master's program. He works two or three jobs right now. And he's just super, super busy trying to afford his life. And she's a phone call gal. And I said, and she doesn't even like texting me. And I like to, I'm a voice message person. So on WhatsApp, I, you'll probably notice, like I like to leave these long voice messages rather than have to write something out. And that's just how I work because I'm busy and my brain's scattered and I'm like, oh, I need to leave this message. If I go for a phone call, it's going to be like 20 minutes. If I leave the voice message and they can listen to it when it's convenient, that's like so efficient in my mind. And so she's always complaining. He doesn't have time to call me. Sometimes he can't call me. Then he says he's going to call me, but then something comes up. And I said, well, why don't you just leave a voice message? And then you guys can chit chat throughout the day and you can feel like you're having a conversation with him, but it's on your time and on his time. And she's like, eh, I don't like that. But that's what my boyfriend and I do. We we're busy. He, you know, he's working, I'm working. And so we'll just leave little voice messages. It feels like we've been connected throughout the day, but it didn't take a long phone call. But it's just a matter of like figuring out the tech, like you said, the tech side of it, what works best for you. I think, I mean, that's, that's great because you guys have figured it out, but I think it leads to the next question. There's five questions I got here. Number three is, do each of you get to be yourself? So are you able just to communicate in a way that works for you and to be yourself relationships? But how else, I mean, from the standpoint of being inherently not equal, uh, do you get to be yourself? How do you see that come into play from a relationship standpoint? Well, um, I mean, my, with this question, my mind goes to, uh, women not being themselves because they're trying to compensate for, for something in the relationship and cause they're, they're very goal oriented. Right. So it's like, I want this guy to be my boyfriend. And so then you kind of mold yourself to, be his boyfriend to be what he wants in the relationship. And then you're not authentically being yourself because a lot of women, they want security and they want stability and they look for that in a partnership, but with the wrong man, that creates a lot of instability. And so it's like, Oh, I want to get the ring. I want to get to marriage. So I have this, this false illusion of stability. So they kind of become the, the person that they think he wants in order to get the ring. And and then later it's like, oh, this isn't really what I wanted. Yeah. I think part of that too is I do, uh, I won't mention any names, protect the innocent. I had a person in my family kept dating people and they would just be a chameleon. Like whatever uh -huh. that person wanted, they would take care of, meet their needs. And then they got bitter and resentful. And I can uh -huh. see this pattern. I'm like, don't you see that? Like, why don't you just be yourself? It's so much easier. And then if it don't work out, at least it, you know, you had a chance because you're being yourself versus you going in. Being, and they didn't see it. I'm like, they just didn't see it. And I'm like, well, 
you know, if that was the thing they wanted more than anything, they would do whatever it took to get it, like you're just saying, mm -hmm. but they're not being themselves. So ultimately, you're letting a foundation, a pattern that you can't, you know, be consistent at, and it just leads to failure. So I think you're not being yourself, obviously. It's just, it's going to come out. That's one of the things we'll wrap up with. I want to talk about is just if you're not yourself, how it looks like and how to get others around you to see, you know, what's going on. But a couple more questions I want to get your opinion on. Do you respect each other's boundaries? And I know that's a real hot button boundaries are these days. So in an inherently not equal situation, do you respect each other's boundaries? How do you see that play into the dynamic what we're talking about? Well, um, a lot of guys that are in their wounded masculine energy take boundaries as a personal job and they'll often take it as something that is like, oh, I'm not doing good enough. I'm not good enough for this relationship. And so they will like sulk and deflect and be angry. Um, and women, I think women are better at respecting boundaries although there's a there are a demographic of women that are very wounded in themselves and they will push and poke at boundaries in order kind of like a teenager or a kid would and so it's really important to be respectful and fair in that okay he has a boundary he has boundaries i have boundaries and we respect each other in that manner yeah, I think on that too, I'll piggyback what you're saying. I think guys and women can be unhealthy in this. And part of it is just not talking about what boundaries are and what you're willing to put up with and not put up with. I think it's easier to say what you don't want or to be negative and say, hey, I don't want this. I was in a abusive relationship or the guy was, woman or guy was an alcoholic. I think it's easy to say the things you don't want, but to what you do want and what you do expect that relationship. And I talk to people all the time. I think they have a hard time expressing what they do want versus which me, that's what I focus on primarily what I do want in a relationship because what I don't want will come out eventually and I'll be mm -hmm. able to say, Hey, this doesn't work for me. But I think that's real important, especially on the front end about what you want and don't want. And I don't think you can talk about that enough to be honest with you, but yeah. how about, uh, do you take care of each other? So we talked a lot about the 50, 50 mentality where that comes from kind of old school thinking, both being 100% committed. Um, so along those lines, you know, from a relationship being inherently not equal, how do you take care of each other? What do you think about that, Keely? Oh, yes. So when I came up with this topic, my my the, re the inspiration behind it was the other morning, um, my boyfriend and I were talking about, you know, the relationship for the long term. And I told him what my counselor had said and that, you know, inherently when it comes to relationships, men benefit more than women. And he said, well, I want to know what I can bring to the table to improve your life and make it so it is more equal because he can see the value that I'm bringing him. And I see the value and I explained to him, I see the value in the fact that you offer me a lot of stability when my life is, I like a lot of uncertainty in my life. And so having you and your stability in my life makes me more stable when I'm out traveling, digital nomad life, entrepreneur, and <laughs> another kind of thing. And so um, then we got on this topic of, um, you know, when it had, I don't know if in, since you're more faith-based, if um, this is true for you, but there's the idea that the ring is supposed to cost three months of salary. And a lot of guys get no, you haven't heard that before. Um, no, no. no, but 
there's a lot of guys that get bitter about that. And while I don't care about the price of the ring, I'm not a big jewelry fan, but because relationships are inherently a little unequal, the ring is the investment that the man puts in and guys fall in love based on the commitments that they make, the little micro commitments. And so when you make an investment, this is a belief I have, not everyone's going to believe in this, but when you make a big investment into the wedding and the ring and you put this commitment in, this financial commitment in, uh, there's going to be more uh, love tied to that because it's a micro commitment. And it doesn't necessarily have like I'm also not a big wedding or big expensive ring thing, but I think that investment is important because a woman is giving up so much uh, to go all in on a relationship. I like that. I think uh, you know, there's a saying. I think we have in the business. You know, people who pay pay attention. So yes. if you're paying <laughs> for something, or you're going to pay attention. So I think there's definitely you know one of the Bible verse I love is where your treasure is, your heart is. Yes. And I really believe, you know, where you're investing, and I can say this, that, you know, if I open up your checkbook, I can tell what you're putting, your, what, what you what you value, you know, because based on what you're putting your money or you're spending your money. So I think there's definitely, I definitely want to piggyback on what you're saying. There's definitely, you know, are you spending time? Is a guy taking a girl out? Is he buying is her he a nice dinner? Is he is he investing? I'm a gift giver. That's just my one of my love languages. I don't like to give them, but I like to give them away, not get them. So I'm like, if, so my cousin now she jokes. She goes, "Hey, you can't spend more than fifty dollars on a gift for a girl." <laughs> so she, so that's just how I'm wired. I want to give. I'm a giver. So, but, but I think, true. are yeah. you? But I think you take care of each other. I think really, like you said, the micro investments, mm-hmm. the words. I think your words are very important, especially if someone has a love language of words of affirmation. But then, one of my partners in real estate says. I can't hear the words you're saying because your actions speak so loud. And I really think that's important about our actions in a consistent way are going to say who you are. Cause you can say a lot of things. I mean, I'm in sales. I can say a lot of things and lying is something I had to deal with in my past. Cause I've been sales. I just want to kind of say things and I, you know, I get going, I'm not accountable, mm-hmm. but I've worked through that. But I think how people take care of you and their actions are super important. I know my cousin's dating some guys. She had a flat tire. He says, we'll come over and take care of it. He didn't take care of it. I took care of her for, oh. so he kept saying these things, but he yeah. didn't, the actions didn't reciprocate. And obviously his actions are how he felt. His time was his resource and mm-hmm. what he spent wasn't for her. So um, I think get into that. I wanted to get, which I'm going to tie it in here, hopefully with a nice bow tie. But what's one piece of advice to stop toxic love you think, Keely, you would offer on the subject of inherently not equal? Yeah. So for the ladies out there, like you just said, uh, when when he's not going 100% in and his actions aren't matching his words, listen to that. That's who he is. That's that's his priority right there. And also the amount of energy and effort needs to match the stage of the relationship. While it can feel lovely to get a lot of uh, words of affirmation and gifts uh, early on in the relationship, that's called love bombing. And it's not, it's not a good thing. And also um, reciprocation is key. So if you're with someone like Chris here, who loves to give gifts 
and you don't reciprocate back, not so much with a gift, but with something of equal um, energy and investment, whether it be, hey, cook them a meal, say thank you, give show a lot of appreciation for that energy, because that's how you will create more of that in the relationship. And the reciprocation is really important. And if you're giving more in the relationship and you're not receiving it back, you need to withdraw your energy because you're with someone who isn't appreciating or doesn't see value in what you're giving. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think one of my favorite sayings, but I think it's inaccurate. I hate to say the Bible's wrong in any way, shape, or form, but it says the golden rule is, you know, do one to others as you'd have done unto you. I don't think that's accurate. I think you should do unto others as you'd want, as they would want to have done to them. And that really speaks to their love language and how they receive love. So I think it's really important to figure that out, how people, you know, what to them is loving. And I try to ask that to people, especially somebody I'm dating is, how do you feel love? Or what, what does love mean to you? Or how does that look like from an action standpoint or my words? And then I just try to, you know, because you care about that person, you want to meet the needs the way they can receive it, not how I think it should be done. I got people who don't like receiving gifts. It bothers me. It makes me feel awkward. Um, so, I mean, just because I love it, it's a great idea. It doesn't mean somebody else does. So, I think having that conversation is really important and, and, and continued discussion. So, my one piece of advice would be um, a couple pieces, actually. But <laughs> I think, what do your friends and family say? I mean, what are your friends and family saying about the person you're dating? Once you get to that phase and the person, if they get past the gate. And they get into your your your, your spear. You started to assume their friends and family. What are they saying about it? Enough that they're always right. But these people have your best interest. They don't. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have the other person's best interest. I think that's real important to listen to that. And then, um, when you are not around the other person, they may, how they make you feel. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about that person you're dating or talking to, how do you feel? What feelings come up? Like, do you feel like man, safe, secure, or do you feel uneasy or unsure about the relationship? I mean, really hone into that. I think that's real important. And then remember, time is your friend. I mean, don't rush things. Everybody, I believe, eventually comes out in time. So if it's your first date, you can be like, whoa, too many red flags. I'm out of here. And I think body language speaks volumes of people. And then two, it could be a year on the road. People can hide. I talked to a person this week. They dated for 15 years before like certain red flags came out. I go, that's a long time, you know? And they just broke up. The guy just gave up. So but the woman put up with a lot, it sounded like, and there's a lot of red flags. She was just kind of blown by them. But so time is real important, one date or, or a year. And I think that's critical. Just time and your family, other people's input, and then how you feel that person makes you feel, especially when you're not around and how you think about them. So that's kind of how I want to wrap up today. But man, what a great conversation I thought this was. So I appreciate it. 